Amen and amen. How many of you have been through a battle or two in your lifetime? Let me see your hands. I don't want to depress anybody. Put your hands down. How many is in a battle right now? Uh, Yeah, amen. Well, the title of my message this morning is this, When Trouble Comes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory for all that you've done thus far in this service. Lord, we're completely dependent upon you. I'm dependent upon you, King. Um, We need to hear your voice. We need to hear your word. We need to hear your principles, Lord God, because we're living in a real life where our lives are being affected daily, Father, out here. And so we're asking for your help, Holy Spirit, to be preeminent in this place and to give us revelation knowledge that exposes the darkness and leads us on our way. Let your word become a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, in the church that believed us, said amen. I want to make this statement on the onset that either you manage crisis or crisis will manage you. Let me say that again. Either you manage a crisis or the crisis ends up managing you. This morning, I'm going to key it back just a little bit because I feel like we need some line upon line and precept upon precept and do some teaching this morning And usually I preach, and so I probably won't get too far away from that, but I do want to um, leave you with some information that you can walk out of here today and begin to apply to your life and see God begin to make some serious changes in in, in you and in your life and family. Um, So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you some ways to deal with trouble when it enters your life. And I have a few of them here. So if you're taking notes, you can do that on your phone, your iPad. You can go back over it later and get this information again. Matter of fact, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more you hear the word of God, the more faith is going to respond in your life. You're going to respond to the faith. And um, it's going to bring great encouragement to you. So number one is this. Number one, when faced with trouble, the first thing to remember is don't worry. When you're faced with trouble, the first thing to remember is do not allow yourself, because we make choices in life, don't allow yourself to get into a place of worry, okay? Sometimes we feel that we really don't, uh, if we really don't um, uh, worry about something, then we really don't care about it. And that's kind of a lie of the enemy. The trick is to get us in a place of worry. It's like, you know, if I, I don't, if I don't worry about my kids, it's because I really don't care about them. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and do what Jesus said. And I'm going to go into a higher authority and I'm going to place my children or my concerns and my circumstances at the feet. I'm going to cast my care upon him who cares for me. I'm not going to sit back and worry about these things. The Bible is replete with scriptures about the dangers of worry. Jesus himself says, don't worry. He said, don't worry. How can you, by worrying, add one cubit to your stature? After all this worrying all this year, you think I'd be seven foot tall, praise God. I could use a couple inches, but worrying is not going to, that worry is not going to be the one that's going to get me to that place. Jesus said, you can't change your natural circumstances by worrying about it. And it's almost like we've been taught in life that if we don't worry about it, it's not going to get accomplished. We won't get it done. Also, the Bible tells us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. 
Don't worry about anything. Don't allow fret to overwhelm you today. We have so much in the news that when I say turn the news off, you want to get some freedom back in your life and some peace back in your life, turn that doggone news off. Five claps. The rest of you are addicted. Amen. You can get your news here, you know, get your little points and then move on, praise God. But be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but about everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So I'm to pray and to supplicate, which is um, really a, uh, is a binding, loosing type of prayer, spiritual warfare, supplicating the spirit, and to do it with thanksgiving, right? And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So the more I offer it back, to God. I'm not telling you this is something religious to do. I'm telling you this is by the Spirit of God. When you say, Lord, I can't, I'm not going to handle this today. Lord, I'm not doing this right now. I can't worry about this. I'm going to cast my care upon you. All my anxiety is going to go upon you. Come on, somebody. And when I do that, there's going to be a peace that comes over me that I can't explain to anybody else. And it's going to guard my heart and it's going to guard my mind. And that whole scripture right there is a whole message all by itself. I love what Psalms, though, says. It gives me such peace. Psalms 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Because when we understand that principle and have that, that, that power of, of that revelation, then everything changes. I'm not supposed to be the one that's answering all my problems. Otherwise, I'd be God. But I do depend upon my God. And I'm going to be still and know that he is still God. He's still on the throne. He still answers by fire. Come on, somebody. Amen. You need to know that before you ever receive the bad news that you got, God anticipated it and was already working on a plan for your victory. This God knows the end from the beginning. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is Jehovah Jireh. And Jehovah Jireh is the one who does what? who reveals what's already been planned for. He reveals what's already been in store for you the whole time. You may not have seen it yet, but God has already made a plan of victory for your life. Somebody shout yes! Hallelujah! He already knew before you ever got there. Look, when trouble comes, you need to learn to get alone with God. When trouble comes, that's not a time for you to shrink back and say, well, devil, just go ahead and run roughshod. I'm not saying to be still know that he's God and do nothing. I am saying, though, that when you get in that place, it's not for you to make the choice, the, the, to have all the answers. It's for you to get before God and get in, spend time with his, his, in his presence, getting to know him. What happens then? Fear will die and courage will explode on the inside of you. The more you spend time with God, the more you're going to explode in faith and know that your God is going to heal you, deliver you, set you free, and set you on a right path. Somebody say amen. The Bible says, call upon his name. Call on me. 
and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, things that are just outside of your reach. I'm the God who answers in heaven on my throne to your life. He said, call on me because the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run the righteous run into it and they are safe. Do we have some righteous folks in the house today ready to call upon the name of the Lord? Not the name of Jeff Pruitt, not your name. Come on, somebody. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Yes, indeed. Amen and amen. Number two. Got a couple more of these to go through. Hallelujah. Number two. When trouble comes, keep your vision, your focus on your future success, not on overwhelming defeat. Don't see yourself going down. See yourself overcoming. Keep your eye on the prize. You're going to, you're going to get uh, to see yourself in a different way when you do this by faith. You're going to see yourself winning and not losing. It's time for you to wake up in the morning and say, I'm not losing today, devil. I'm not losing one inch of territory, not one inch of ground. I'm a winner overcomer in this life and I'm the head and not the tail I'm above only and I'm not beneath come on somebody I am the apple of his eye I am a royal diadem set in his crown I'm his child I'm a child of the living God hallelujah 2 Corinthians 4 17 says for your light affliction, not your heavy undue burdens, you know, can't stand it, don't know how I'm going to get through the day. No, your light affliction, your affliction is not more than you can handle, which is but for a moment. It's not meant to last forever. Whatever you're going through is not meant to last forever. And the Bible gives you a little twist on it and said what you're going through won't last forever. It's momentarily. It's a light affliction and it's working for you. I said it's employed by you. It's working for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You got to understand that whatever you're going through is actually on an assignment to make your life better. It may look like you're going down, but honey, you are going up. You are about to arrive at a new level in your life. Somebody say, get ready. Hallelujah. Church, nothing, nothing is as bad as it first appears. I said nothing is as bad as it first appears. That's why you don't wait. The Bible talks about that the, the Bible talks about that you go ahead and get yourself a second opinion. The first you put away, the second is established, the Bible says. In other words, it may look a certain kind of way, but go ahead and get a second opinion in the word of God and find out what God's word's got to say about it. By the way, keep off social media too. I, I mean when I when I mean about that, I mean about what you say have to say about things. Here's a, here's a little good, good rule of thumb. I wrote this down. No writing when you're fighting, praise God. Hey, keep your mouth clean, amen. 
the devil will bring that back up and haunt you with the words you said. I've written a lot of rebuttals to people that like to say nasty things to Jeff Pruitt because the truth is I'm a fighter and I like to fight back. I don't like anybody to punch me in the face without me wanting to punch him right back, praise God. I know I'm preaching, praise God. I'm the preacher. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why I need your prayer. Because I'm still just a man, amen. Oh, I've written some real good stuff back to y'all. About ready to hit send, the Holy Ghost says, nope, don't send it. How many's ever written stuff that no one's ever saw? Look at all these hands, look at all these people. Praise God, you're being led by the Holy Spirit. I've said some pretty good stuff too. You got two hands up and another hand, praise God. And these are elders, hallelujah. <laughs> but you don't send it. But it was cathartic. It felt good when you wrote it, praise God. Here's the thing. Your pain will pass and your adversity will lift. Learn to look beyond your current situation. Here's what I believe. God is positioning something incredible in your life. And that's why the enemy comes out with an all-out assault. And you say, Lord, why am I going through what I'm going through? And the reason why we say those words is not because you're not spiritual. It's because you're still flesh and blood. And you really don't understand. But if you had eyes of the Spirit and could just wait a little bit and be patient, you would understand that God's trying to take you somewhere through the process. Anytime you start saying, why am I going through what I'm going through? It's because God is positioning your life for something better than what you got right now. And you're having to walk through some fires, the furnace of affliction. But when you come out on the other side, you're going to be pure gold, baby. God's about to do something in you that you've never seen before. Your prayers are about to be answered. You're going into a new place, a new arena in God. You're about to be, you're about to get in a new authority, a path of honor is about to be given to you. Are you ready for the next level? They taught us when we were very young, new, net, uh, new level, new devil. Every time you're about ready to go new level, here comes the devil to attack you, put you down. But I'm telling you right now, I got a revelation. What I'm going through is a light affliction. And it's only here momentarily. And it's working for me a far more exceeding eternal way to glory. And David was anointed king out in his father's house, keeping care of a few sheep. And you know, it's not how much talent it looks like you have or how much prominence it appears you have or money in the bank or you speak eloquent or been to school and been educated and none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But here is a, a young boy, a young man, if you will, that's keeping a few sheep for his father, but he's doing it faithfully. And even when his father couldn't see the greatness in him, because Samuel said, get all your sons into the house. For one of your boys, God is going to anoint king over Israel. He got all his boys together except for David. How would you feel, and maybe you have felt this, the pain of even somebody who should know better, knows a little bit more, should know something about you, but cannot see what God sees on the inside of you. But God saw it. That's the good news. Your Father in heaven sees the greatness of who you really are. 
And he says, I'm telling you, none of these men are the king. Uh, don't you have another son? Yeah, well, his name is David, but he's just David, man. He's just David. He's out there playing with the sheep right now. He said, bring him to me. And he said, this is the one. David was anointed king that very day, but David never w walked into his authority. He couldn't get there until there was something that would happen. And the something that would happen is he would have to face a giant by the name of Goliath. And Goliath is in the valley hurling all these different accusations against the, the men of God, the, 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 all of Israel. And um, you bring out your man. If I defeat him, you guys got to bow. If he defeats me, we will bow. And all of, the, all of, that, all of that was in a half, was half 40 days. He's in this valley and he's cursing the armies of the living God. David comes by just to give his, his, his brothers something to eat. Comes by and hears all these accusations and says, wait a second here. We're on the most powerful team on the face of the earth. We got the living God on our side. Why isn't anybody fighting him? And they kind of caught him up to speed with where he should be, which means someone's going to fight. He don't want the whole. He don't want the whole troops. He wants one man to fight. He said, "Put me out there. I'll fight the man." And the man grabs this young boy, grabs five smooth stones, and goes out after Goliath. And with his words, he says these words: "Today, God is going to put you into my hand. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to feed your bodies to the fowls or the birds of the air." This will happen. He was laughed at. He took that stone and that stone went like a heat-seeking missile and went right and hit him in the only vulnerable place where he had no armor and that was right in his forehead. He went over there, took the man's sword and cut his head off and fed his body to the fowls of the air. Your God has power you don't know anything about. And when he's ready to use you, he's ready to use you. But are you ready to be used by God? Are you ready to stand in faith and say I'll fight whatever giant you put in my path because I'm not staying on the backside of a desert taking care of a few sheep anymore. It's time for my destiny. Come on. Goliath takes, uh, David takes how Goliath He's now dead, and now the king says, come on, move in with my, my palace. You can have my daughter, and you will never pay taxes. You or your family ever again. He's now put in a place of prominence and authority. Think about it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ followed the crucifixion. And without a crucifixion, there cannot be a resurrection. And without a resurrection, there could not be an ascension. And without an ascension, there could not be salvation for mankind out of the most gruesome things, the toughest things that we, any man would have to deal with. Obviously, the most incredible, most special thing came out, and that was the salvation of mankind. Number three, when trouble comes, resist self-pity. Resist self-pity. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, you know you got an adversary, right? You do understand the devil's fighting, right? But here's how he fights. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He, can, he doesn't walk around as a roaring lion. He walks like a fake one, praise God. He, 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 he'll growl a little bit at you, but when you look at it, he ain't got no teeth in his mouth. Come on, somebody. Jesus knocked his teeth down his throat 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. He can growl. 
Ow! But he can't bite too hard. Come on, somebody. He might gum you to death. Amen. But he comes like a roaring lion. I'm just trying to tell you, yes, you have a foe that will fight hard, but he cannot take you out as a child of God. Resist him. Why? How, is, how, do you, how do you do that? The Bible says he walks around like a roaring seeking whom he made of our, which means you have to give him access. You have to give him permission to attack you. He's looking around, who can I do it? I can't do them, man, because they, they pray. They plead the blood. They trust God. Resist him. How? In the faith, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Don't have time for self-pity parties because you have to recognize you're not the only one going through something in life. You know, I thank God that when we walk, when my wife and I, my family walking through COVID, that I didn't have those terrible symptoms. And I thank God for that, you know, because I'm no different than anybody else. I should have been experiencing some of those same things, but I did not. I had nothing but like a cold is all I had. I praise God for that. I do not make light of those who have issues, not just with COVID, but other. But I'll tell you what it did to me. As I'm going through all this stuff, I'm like, oh, come on, Lord. Another day of this. I mean, I was getting sick and tired of having feeling like I had a cold, right? It was like day after day after day. But, you know, it was no big deal. You can get through it. But, you know, we become babies. Hey, man, come on, somebody. Until you read about what somebody else is going through. Would you please pray for our three-year-old who's in the hospital dying of lymphoma? And, and, and I go, oh my God, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going through anything. That's going through something. When your children are hurting and you can't do anything about it, that's a pain that's different. My point of bringing that up is this, is that there's always somebody who can one-up you anyways. So quit thinking that you're the only one going through stuff. Amen. God was quick to remind Elijah, you're not the only one, son. I'm the only one left. No, you're not. I got 7,000. You don't know nothing about. Who do you think you're talking to here? I got 7,000. Have them bowed their knee to bed. I got prophets everywhere. You're not the only one. You're one of them. Don't ever forget that. And boy, he puts you back in your, okay, yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I was having a pity party. I've told this story before. It's so real to me to this day. And I was upset about some things. And, you know, and I'm in the car and I'm yelling at God. And I pounded that steering wheel a couple of times. I said, this isn't right. You shouldn't treat your children this way. I wouldn't treat my children. I mean, I was having out with God. I was saying, this ain't right. I would never treat my son this way. And I screamed at him and said, I'm your son. I'm your son. That's exactly what I said. And I was mad. And then, you know, you... Feel the presence of God come on you and you just go, I'm an idiot and Lord, forgive me and I'm sorry. And you know, you, you get back where you're supposed to, you, cry, you get to dry up the tears and you move on and say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm sorry. And, and you know, I can go through this. I can go, you know, Lord, I thank you that you give me. Blood. And I, I got back on the right path. About three, four hours later, I get a email from somebody that sent, uh, the, my team sent it to me, staff sent it to me. And, um, one of church members, and they'd never given me a word before. Matter of fact, they specified, said, I was praying for you today, Pastor, and God had you all over my heart today. And, and I, I don't normally give prophetic words, she said, but I heard the Lord say something to me to, to tell you. 
And I said, what's that? I, I, I'm thinking to myself, what's that? I'm reading it. And she said to me, she said, um, the Lord said, you tell him, he's my son. He's my son. And she put it all in caps with exclamation points. And she said, and here's what the Lord says he's going to do for you. And it was everything I had been believing for and praying for, which, by the way, all came to pass. But the emphasis, I said, Lord, I'm your son. I'm your son. And he's telling me, yes, you are. Yes, you are. There's something about this God. You know, you don't, you can't, look, God, you think you can easily offend God. You don't easily offend God. You don't think he's here to everything. You don't think he knows your thoughts before you scream them, praise God. Amen. And so I'm just grateful to God because what he taught me there is quit having pity parties because it will never get you. I've already got the victory. I've already got the plan. All you've got to do is just trust me. Lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. Number four. Number four, when trouble comes, control. This goes right hand in hand. Control your thought life. You can't always control the thoughts that come in, but you can control if you're going to act on those thoughts or not. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. My wife and I, especially her to me, when I'm uh, upset about some things, she'll say, honey, and she'll just remind me, Philippians 4. You know, it aggravates me. Come on, I don't want to hear that. I want somebody coming to agreement with me, right? You know, they're upset like I'm upset. But she'll say, honey, whatever things are good, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, probably she tells me that scripture because she probably tells herself that scripture more than she tells me that. But this is what we, so this is what, if there's anything praiseworthy or virtuous, we are to meditate on those things. Our thoughts should not be controlled by our circumstances or the heaviness or what we're going through, but our thoughts should be controlled by what? The meditation of what is praiseworthy under our God, what is virtuous under our God, what is of good report under our God. Think on these things. Your mind is the birthplace and the incubator of everything that you do. It's the beginning place of where everything starts. That's why the guy, who came, and I had a guy come to me, and, and he had an affair with his wife, and, and I said, why, what happened? He said, I don't know. I thought, that's the stupidest answer I've ever heard in my life. You don't know. What happened? You just tripped, oh, and there you are, and there she was in bed. I know we woke up, and I don't know what happened. I can't understand what took place. Are you an idiot? You know exactly what took place. And it didn't happen in that bedroom at that moment. It started weeks and months and maybe years of fantasizing about things you shouldn't have been doing. And the next thing you know, the opportunity arose. Because as a man thinks, so is he. Your thought lights will open the door and begin to direct your life. So if you love your wife and want to keep your wife, quit fantasizing about whoever. Because you think the grass is greener on the other side, and y'all look quiet and are acting super suspicious. Everybody, nobody had a mask on before. Now the masks are going on all the way to the eyes. Don't look at me. <laughs> it is the truth. It wasn't just an accident. It started with thoughts. 
And if you love your family and you, and you love your wife, because it's, if you really, really do, you appreciate that, then you will not go down this road and you'll start with dealing with the thoughts that come into your head. Amen. Renewing of the mind, thoughts brings, the Bible says, transformation. According to Romans chapter 12, I think it's verse one. I didn't write it down, but verse, I know it's one and two, but I think it's verse two. It said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove it is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So in other words, the word transformed in the Greek is the word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis, right? Like a caterpillar becomes, is transformed or it is, uh, it goes through a metamorphosis and becomes a butterfly. Something that, 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 uh, that is in the dust, that moves on its belly, now can fly into the skies. Something that's kind of ugly can, can be kind of beautiful. And so it happens by your thought life. What do you base your thoughts on? Are they always negative? Are they always ter- uh, bad? Um, are they always sexual? Um, and, you know, uh, by the way, we kind of know a little bit about you by the things you say because your heart will betray you. For out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're always telling dirty jokes, we really do know what's on your mind. I can tell you, you know, you're a Christian, but this is kind of funny. Well, truth is, we, we really know what's on your mind. My point is, sex in itself is not wrong with your wife. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying to you is this, is that it, when it becomes an overwhelming thing to you, or a money thing becomes an overwhelming thing, where it's, it, now you got money on your mind all the time, you will cheat people after a while. I don't care what it is, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can change your world, your whole life, by changing your thoughts. Church, Satan knows that if he can get you, or me, to break focus on the word of God, he can sabotage our destiny. If he can get us out of this place right here, thank God y'all showed up today. Thank God those are watching um, by way of your devices. Because you're getting the word of God. The word of God is always that centering place, that power, release of authority that keeps you on the path of your destiny. And I found out when I'm angry, when I'm spending too much time in negative thoughts, I'm finding out, I'll find out my prayer life is down and my reading, my studying my word is down. You say, preachers get that. Absolutely. You get busy doing other things. You better believe it. You got to keep a regimen. You have to be, you have to make sure that you maintain uh, that and be disciplined in your prayer life. And that's why I'm accountable to the men of this church. We pray on Tuesday nights. We don't miss. So at least once a week, I'm praying for sure. Praise God. Of course, I pray every day. But I'm saying, but I, I want there to be accountability even in this house that we do this because this is what's important to God. Number five, remember. Remember your trouble, this is so good. Remember your trouble will pass. Psalms 35, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Your, your weeping and your struggle is not meant to last forever. So just look at your neighbor next to him and say, go ahead and joy up, joy up. Come on, I like what what Paul said to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Come on, it's time to get happy. It's time to get happy. Why? 
the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, somebody. You want to get strong in the things of God? You got to joy up. You got to get happy. You got to know that God's already taken care of it way before you ever got here. Put a smile on your face. Be glad and not mad. Be glad and not sad. Shout with a voice of triumph. Rejoice. Why, Pastor? Because storms are not meant to last forever. So don't act like they are. Amen. I don't know what about you, but I meet Christians sometimes, and I tell you, and they're funny. Christians are the best, man. I love them, and then you got to walk with some patience with some others of them. And I run, in, I run them into, I run into them all the time into the grocery store, and they're excited to see me, which is cool, right? They go, Pastor Pruitt, Pastor Pruitt. And I come on, and I don't know him. You know, I don't know everybody, right? I try to, and I, and I don't know him. And then I, I said, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Doing good. Oh, that's good. I said, I said, I said to him, um, I said to him, um, so uh, I said, were you at church on Sunday? You know I do that on purpose, praise God. Well, uh, what happened was... Um, and they start giving me excuses. Well, it's been a while, and I just moved, and I can't, you know, I can't find a ride. You know, all my dog ate the homework and the whole thing, right? And so I'm like, ah, it's all right, it's all right. And would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I said, sure, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you right there at Woodman's. I'll pray for you right there at, the, uh, at uh, Pick and Save. It don't matter, I'll pray. And, uh, yeah, because that devil's just been attacking me. All right, we're going to pray together. Praise God. You pray and bind the devil in the name of Jesus. Get off of them. Oh, I feel so much better. Hallelujah. Thank you. It was God that I ran into you today. Hallelujah. Year later, meet him at Pick and Save again. Praise God. How you doing? Boy, I'd be doing good if that devil wasn't beating me up. I mean, I meet people all the time, and without going through the whole dissertation, every time you see him, the devil is whipping him on about something. When are you going to realize that you've got more power and authority in your little pinky? than the devil's got in his whole arsenal. What you got to learn to do is keep your foot on his neck. Our God crushes Satan. Bible says shortly. Hallelujah. Amen. No, the devil don't have that kind of power and that kind of authority. Storms aren't meant to last forever. Spiritual warfare is not meant to last. You can. There are moments when you get reprieve and you get to go. Uh, you get to go and enjoy your family and life, and life is good for a period of time. And then you might have another battle here and there. Praise God. That's all right. You're going to win that one too. Amen. But the battle's not there for you to stay forever. It ain't Afghanistan. Come on, say. Someone say Amen. On and on and on. Statement, your future is unlike any yesterday you've ever had. That was so good, I lost all y'all. Praise God. That's deep. Your future is unlike any yesterday you've ever had. It's worth waiting for. It's worth fighting for. When's the last time you reminisced about your future? When's the last time you reached for your future by faith? in your actions and in your talk. People change, weather changes, circumstance changes, but don't be discouraged. 
Expect a supernatural, dramatic change to take place in your life. Expect your future to come to you. Expect your destiny to come online. Amen? We are almost out of time. Number six, find someone. Number six, when trouble comes, find someone that will pray with you. That's why I can't express how important the church really is. My wife and I having a conversation about that this morning, how important the church is. You know, when we were away, we can't wait to get back because there's something about the synergy and the unity of the people of God that makes you feel safe. There's a safety. I can't tell you how many times I've been with you and you didn't know you were ministering to me. You didn't know it. You had no idea you were ministering to me. Can't time, tell you the number of times I've been with my elders on a Tuesday night and they didn't know. Maybe I probably told them, knowing me, I'm pretty straightforward like that. But I, and, and they've ministered to me. I needed to be ministered to. And that's the church. That's why you don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why we love what we do on, on church online because there's people that can't get to us, right? But this has never been meant for you to say, well, I live within five miles, but I just want to stay home in my pajamas. This was never meant for that. This was meant to touch people that can't be here, would love to be here, but they're out of state, out of town, shut in, whatever. And sometimes they're, they're dealing with things at work. And they, I have that people tell me that all the time. When I was in the hospital for the appendix, people say, uh, nurses say, oh, I'm a member of the church. I, I, I'm out there on Sunday. Says, I work, but I, I don't miss a Sunday. I, I watch every day. That, that's understandable. But it was never to replace the assembling of ourselves together. You say, well, it's so tough. We got COVID, we got all this stuff going on. Come on, hold, let's put things in perspective here. Hold everything, hold everything. Say that to the early church who were dying for their testimony for Christ. And if they were caught together, would be either executed or imprisoned or worse, uh, tortured. Some of them were. And yet they would not forsake the assembling of themselves together because there's something about when the people of God come together. It's what God wishes. It's what he wants. And you fight to get into that place. You don't fight for your comfort. You fight for him. You fight for what he wants. Amen. And I'll make this statement to you. One cannot multiply. It takes at least two to be able to, one times one is still one. You got to at least have two that can come together to multiply. Increase begins with two. That's why he said where there are two or more gathered, gathered together in my name for my purposes. He said there I'll be in the midst of and whatever they ask the father in my name, I will do it. The father will do it. In other words, he's saying to us, yes, it's difficult to get together, but make sure you still do it because there's a certain power you can't get otherwise. And I'm thinking that a lot of people have forgotten what it means the church is meant and is meant, meant to them. By the way, um, can I just do a little pause here for me for just a second? Good, I'm gonna anyways. Hallelujah, thank you for that. Uh, if you leave this church, you're here. So if you leave this church and you were a part of this church and you told me that I was your pastor, 
And that was the greatest thing next to sliced bread and how awesome I was. And I baptized your children and I dedicated your kids and laid hands upon people. I laid hands on you when you were sick and you were healed. You watched and you saw all this happen. You were part of it. And then you up and leave in the middle of the night and go to somebody else's church and don't tell me anything. And I don't know anything. What's going on? And I got to find out. Been asked about where you were at. Can't find you anywhere. And then found out, oh, there they are. They're at someone else's church or not at church at all. That is wrong. You at least owe your pastor a letter, a letter saying, Pastor, hey, don't say you love me. If you don't love me anymore, that's fine. But saying, I found uh, another church. Thank you for all you've done. God bless you. At least I got something. But to treat me like chopped liver, like I'm nobody, nothing, when you know you were crying and every service... I, got, I don't have one person in mind. I've got dozens in mind where I saw you weep like a baby in every single service saying, this church has saved my life. And then you wondered, I know you're watching me because I, I know you sneak and watch. I know you do it because you can't help yourself because you still love this church. And I'm not scolding you for that purpose, but I'm telling you that and then you wonder why you can't find the right man in your life because you can't even treat the men that God puts in your life right and you can't stay loyal. You don't know how, what it means to stay loyal. And I'm not, I'm not trying to raise a bunch of disloyal people in the house of God. I'm not Jesus. I know I'm not. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I know I'm not a king. I'm not, I'm not trying to say any of that. But my God, where is the respect? I could never do that to my pastor. He would know. I love you. I'd have a meeting with him. And if I couldn't get a meeting, just write me. I'm, I'm big on emails, right? I mean, I'm cool with that. Card, put a couple hundred bucks in there. You know, something like that, you know, to ease the trouble a little bit for me. And um, people do uh, leave church and they're supposed to do it the right way. Amen? Because you don't belong to me. You never did. But if God sent you to this place, and I became your man of God, there ought to be some sort of sense of loyalty and common decency to say, hey, I moved on. And I love you, but I've moved on. All righty then, moving on from there. Amen. Pray, get people who will pray with you. And by the way, get people who will pray with you in agreement. Let them, they, you've got to find people who will agree. Now, I didn't say agree with you, but they'll agree with the word. Amen? Because I've watched people also do this. They want to find people who will agree with them because, because what they're doing they know is not right, and they want to find agreement so they can feel good about it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about find, find agreement in the word of God concerning your matter. My wife, you heard the story her and my mother became prayer partners and they agreed in prayer or surrounding the word of God that I was going to give my life to Jesus. And I'm standing here, I know beyond any shadow of doubt because of that. And one can put a thousand to flight. But the Bible says you get two people together, they can put up to 10,000 angels to flight. Or if you want to look at this way, 10,000 devils they can send to flee. Amen. Number seven, and I'll stop here. Um, When trouble comes, praise him anyway. 
Amen? Praise is your verbal and physical response to the greatness of God and enforces your trust in him. Praise is what Jehoshaphat did when he didn't know how to fight. And so he went and sent the praisers out as God instructed him to do. And as they begin to praise the God of heaven, God set an ambush against their enemies. Praise is spiritual warfare. We came in here to praise God, whether it be praise or worship, let's all lump it together because it's, it's really, it's that intimacy with God. But when you were praising God in this place earlier, you don't understand. Maybe one day God will open our eyes. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe it would be scary, I don't know. But open all our eyes and we saw the warfare that was taking place in the heavenlies. As we were worshiping and praising God, angels were being released and demons were fighting, trying to hold their ground. And, the, and, and the angels of heaven said, no, you will not. And we clear the airways as we praise and worship God. The Bible says in Psalms 149.6, it gives us a clue. It says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Watch this. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Praise in their mouth sword in their hand to bind their kings and chains with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. In other words, we're talking about principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this, this age, the Bible says, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. They're, they're kings in their, in their own world and they are, they are nobles in their own world. And we, when we praise God, it's like we're wielding a sword and the chains are binding those principalities and putting fetters of iron, which means judgment, upon these, these principalities to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. Every single saint has, been received, has received an honor from God that as we praise him anyways, through the trouble, in the trouble, our response is praise. It's a, it is a military stance. I will not be moved. I'm standing here and I'm fighting with my God and I'm gonna see the victory. Somebody say amen. amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise about it today. Come on.